This is the Rad Mars Podcast, episode 93. I'm Andy Mindler. And I'm Brendan Chombley. I'm Trevor Williams. And I'm Andrew Ford. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, it feels guys. so long since we chatted on our new schedule. Mm. Like, I haven't heard from you guys in so long, even though, really, I talked to you two days ago. Yes. <laughs> this is one of those rare Wednesday night recordings for us, yeah. Yeah. which by which I mean, I think this may be the only time we've recorded on a day that wasn't Sunday or Monday. Commemorative moment. We yeah. have we have before, I think on a Tuesday due to scheduling fuckery. Mm. Well, in the kayfabe of our podcast, we what have What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> We're going over <laughs> that again. <laughs> it's the wrestling thing. It's the suspension of disbelief of the fiction oh, of Christ. the thing. Right. <laughs> we, we, we haven't Clear, talked for two. Clearly, I remember everything we talk about on this podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I use the same thing for, hey, check this out every single episode. Yeah. Do you? No, Did we do an not. entire episode on that, by the way? Was that no, like we, the topic? We bantered about it like for way too long. Oh, okay. I think. Or, or it was like a weird, it was a weird diversion. Mm. tangent anyways in the kayfabe of our podcast we haven't talked for the last two weeks so hey it's been a while right we haven't seen each other nope it's been so long what's new in everyone's lives did i mention that i got a hot tub (laughs) 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 i I just remembered (laughs) that 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 is always the proper response to what's new in everyone's lives (laughs) well okay so the the funny thing and by funny i mean (laughs) annoying thing is i just got a hot tub um except that um i ordered it a year ago and it was supposed to arrive in october and uh it arrived like two weeks ago and how how long do you actually get to enjoy it is it staying at the house uh or is it moving with you it's staying at the house no it's you can't getting it getting it into position was a fucking thing they had to use a crane and lower it down and the crane tried to pull onto our carport and the carport started creaking and was definitely going to collapse and i was like get that fucking thing off of there and there were all these power lines and no one was convinced it was going to work and it kind of didn't work but did um but they managed to get it in place but it, it was all very like we were uh, there uh, there was like 10 of us standing there and i was like this isn't happening <laughs> like this isn't getting in place uh but luckily it got there um unfortunately uh, Lindsay's pregnant and pregnant women can't use hot tubs unless they're like set to below body temperature hmm. so it's set to like 94 degrees which is like a kind of just a nice that'd be more of a warm tub tepid yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's like a warm warm pool mm-hmm. uh, and it's okay um it's not my favorite 
But Lincoln loves it. And Lincoln, mm. because he's young, the little kids aren't supposed to be in hot tubs for very long either. Mm. But he fucking loves it. So that's And great. it's basically uh, like a full pool for a small person. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Is it above ground or is it like embedded in the ground? Um, it's an above ground, but we built the deck in such a way that it's kind of like flush with the deck. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. Can he uh, can he get any kind of little bits of swimming skills in there, or has he worked on swimming before? Like, can he paddle? Or I took him to swimming lessons when he was two, um, and I asked him, "I'm like, do you remember going um, to swimming lessons?" He's like, "No, I don't know what you're talking it's about." Like, no, daddy, but I remember the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thought that came to my mind as well, but I wasn't going to articulate it. Um, so. Yeah, it's kind of like a pool that it's like much harder for him to drown in, and yet he has still tried. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, um, but he loves it. Uh, the problem is like, like I, I we when I was growing up, we had like an above ground pool, but like I never dealt with like maintaining chemicals and stuff, and like you have to like make sure all like the chemical levels are correct in this thing, and for some reason like all of the chlorine just like disappears every couple days just completely gone just evaporates away right i don't i don't know i just thought that like chlorine would stick around for a little bit but like i guess it just disappears so you have to (laughs) rechlorinate it like very heavily like the thing is like Mm -hmm. i don't remember like my dad having to dump a ton of chlorine in our pool like every two days maybe i'm Hmm. crazy he probably just wasn't doing it while you were watching. Did I mention the fact that my parents have like a sort of like, uh, you know, swimming in place pool? I want to call it an infinity pool, but apparently that's oh, the long term for about. it. Oh, I know what you're talking Yeah, I think you did mention this at one point. Like, yeah. a, like, a, like a pool treadmill, right? It like rushes exactly. the water past you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jets of water. So it's like, you know, tethered swimming, but with a little bit more dignity. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, anyway, the last time I was visiting my parents, I decided, you know what, it's been a while. I'm going to try to use this because my parents aren't using it. And then and you drowned. No, I probably wouldn't have drowned, but I might have gotten an infection. Like, so first off, the temperature was like 60 or 50 degrees or something. So it was like, you know, just nice and, you know, ready to sap away all of your bodily heat. But also- Is it, my, is it like a heated pool? It is, but the heating had been turned off since nobody was using it. Um, oh, okay. But the other thing is, you know, you talking about the chemicals, like I did like a testing of like, you know, used one of those test strips and it's like, yep. yeah, absolutely no chlorine whatsoever. And like all of the other chemicals are gone as well. So, oh. and I can see a little bit of muck growing in the bottom as oh, well. No. So yeah, how long, maintain your pools. How long did they like just leave it like and stop putting stuff in it? That must've been at least six months. Oh um, my God. What? Yeah, and they left it like uncovered and stuff. It was covered actually the entire time. Um, oh, so like it's probably not as bad as it sounds. Um, I mean, it was only a thin layer of muck. You know, it wasn't too bad, but it I was. I mean, yeah, if you put some shock in it or something like, and but still, yeah, this is why it sounds like a, a salt based system seems better to me. It seems yeah, less, less uh, maintenance. I've, I follow a guy in, uh, who lives in Florida, and he built, like, an in-ground pool, and uh, he did it all salt water-based. And I guess it's just, like, way easier to maintain. And yeah, it doesn't longer. have to be, like, 
ocean water. Like it doesn't have to sting your eyes and taste bad. Right. It, it's just like just 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 the right amount of salt is like barely noticeable by the swimmer, but still keeps the nasties out. I believe yeah. my dad uses it's that. Gotta system. be bad for the pumps and whatnot though, doesn't it? Just in terms I of I think you have to have machinery that's meant for it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm no ex I'm no poolologist. I can't tell you yes exactly how all that works. <laughs> I guess you can convert like an old like a regular pool to a saltwater pool. Um, but yeah, I think you do need to like replace some bits of it for Yeah, it turns out salt likes to corrode stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Frickin' salt. Being salty. Yep. So yeah. Hey, have you guys been salty playing this most recent game? Wow. <laughs> You are inside my head, you know that? I was thinking of Salty as well in the same context. Man. Two, two in the same po- in the same recording, huh? Get out of my head, man. Get out of my head. Yes, I've been very Salty. We are gathered here today to talk about Elden Ring. Yes. Why are you Salty? I thought the whole point of the game was to be like, you just like, you have to die a bunch. Yeah. But it still upsets you and you still play. Like, when I get upset at a game, I stop playing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perhaps I'm exaggerating my saltiness here, but I have actually had periods of the game where I was having such a hard time that I actually stopped playing it. In fact, the only reason I'm probably still playing it at this point is because of the intervention of Brave Ford here, um, (laughs) where I was stuck on one particular boss early on, and I was like, okay, fuck this. I, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to wander away and wander the land until I find something interesting. And I did. And I found a boss inside a inside of a prison. And he burned me to a crisp over and over and over and over and over again. But for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? This guy doesn't feel quite as hard as the boss that was killing me over and over and over and over again. So I'm going to kill this guy. And uh, yeah, uh, I think actually this was like one of the times when we were trying to report, record the podcast, but people just couldn't show up and it was just the two of us. And he was like, Hey, you know, you've got some items in your inventory that'll give you more flask charges and more effective flask. And you've got all this other stuff. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I have items. Right. Wait, why didn't, why didn't you know that? I knew that I had items that would do that, but I thought that they were temporary things and I was saving them for a hard boss. Not one of these bosses that merely killed me 50 times in a row, you know? The really difficult ones, like the last boss. Were they not temporary? No, they are permanent upgrades. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, that's a misunderstanding. It seems like the the game should tell you that. Yeah, I'm looking up the item description right now. Hold on. Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) It's like, this is permanent, you fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we we go. The game designers. Or do we fault Trevor for reading comprehension issues? I always fault the game designers whenever there's Trevor <laughs> comprehension issues. You had, so this was both the flask number and the flask power, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I think it's it's maybe not 100% clear, so I'll give you some credit here. All right. The item that increases the number of flasks you get is called the golden seed. And the item description is as follows. A golden seed found at the base of an illusory tree increases a sacred flask's number of uses, can be used after resting at a site of grace. When the Elden Ring was shattered, these seeds flew from the Erd tree, scattering across the various lands. Bah, Lord. As oh, if, Lord. shut up, this is important, as if life <laughs> no. itself knew that its end has come. That's deep. Listen to that shit. 
What? Wow. So, yeah, I guess, like, rating that, like, so do you have to use that item every time that you go somewhere or something? Or is it you use it once and it just, like, sticks around forever? Use it once, sticks around forever. Yeah. On a, on a particular flask? I don't know what flasks are in this game. Yeah, so this is this is one of those things where it may be, like, old Souls game knowledge that you kind of need. So, yeah, I think we probably need to explain a little bit about the actual game. Yeah, sure. What's Elden Ring? Yeah, it's a video game. <laughs> Oh, where you supposed like to find a, a big a big ring that broke? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For real? Go on. You, you're supposed to reassemble the ring, but I'm still not sure how big it is. So it could be anywhere from a sort of like you know Lord of the Rings type ring up to and including a uh, halo. Halo. From halo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Ready your mind. Yeah, it is obviously in the lineage of Souls games, right? So it's it's by, made by From Software, and it carries a, over a lot of mechanics. From it, one of which is you kind of rest at a kind of safe spot, and when you do that, your flasks recharge, and your flasks um, you can are you have a certain number of flask charges you can drink to restore your health or your magic points, basically. Um, but also, when you rest, your all the enemies respawn, or all the non-boss enemies respawn. Okay. So upgrading your flask is like a big mechanic in these games, where you kind of it's like a specific option, usually at a bonfire or the place where you rest, and it'll say like upgrade your flask and then you just have you know you go from five five chugs to six chugs but you have to choose between health and mana so you're kind of still making kind of a permanent decision of some kind no you get a total number of flask charges and there's a separate menu option to allocate between like okay i I have like seven total and i can say i have four health and three magic or i have seven health and no magic yeah so so part of the reason why i would have assumed that it was a temporary effect is if it's a permanent effect and there's no actual choice that you make when you're using the item, why not have it automatically apply itself as soon as you pick it up? <laughs> well, like, a heart, like a heart piece, right? Like a Zelda heart piece. So is it a, like a usable item? So you use it and it uses up the item or does it stick around in your inventory? It gets used up when you use it. Okay. So I, I mean, like I, it makes sense to me like uh, why they wouldn't automatically apply it because you wouldn't know why it happened really like it would it would be really confusing so putting it in your inventory makes sense but like uh i disagree with that what about heart containers in link to the past you didn't get confused when you picked up a heart container and all of a sudden boom it's gone but you've got more health wait that there's a big difference what does it look like to pick up an item in elden ring versus picking up a heart container in legend of zelda that's fair all of the items in elden ring are like a glimmer of light yeah, that's it. exactly. Yeah. In, in Legend of Zelda, you get the ba 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 ba, and like Link holds it above his head like a big fucking thing, and a text box reads you off what's going on. And then um, your little heart container thing will like actually. Right. It immediately goes do whoop. something. Yeah. It's a whole deal. That's a good noise. So, what if they were to make a little animation where your character basically picked up a big old seed in Dark Souls and was just like, yum, 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 yum? Yeah. And Sounds then you great. get a yeah, sure. flask charge back. Would that be great? Satisfy yeah. everyone? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that would do it. I just don't know if that would necessarily go with like the vibe of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm. oh. Okay. So Elden Ring is about building a ring and you sit at fires and you eat seeds. Is it fires? It's it, bonfires again? No, it's not. It's in the old games it was bonfires for the most part, in the Souls games at least. And this there Sites of Lost Grace. Ooh, so okay. grace grace is like sort of a lore aspect of the game where you are kind of a special character who can see 
The... I'm picturing just like an abandoned pair of high heels and you're just resting at it. What? <laughs> okay, they're that's, very graceful. That's, that's that time you were not in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like a ribbon dancer pole. Mm-hmm. Just things that are graceful and they're abandoned on the side of the road. On the road. What? <laughs> it's a sight of lost grace. Come on. Uh, another thing worth talking about uh, with Dark Souls in general is that they have a very sort of grim, dark like feel to them. Like the entire world is very dilapidated, um, and everything's in sort of like a sad state of neglect, and humanity is doomed, and you're undead, and all sorts of nastiness. So, are you undead in this game too? You're tainted. No, why? Tar- why in every one of these fucking games do you <laughs> are you like, like what? What is the what is Demon Souls? Demon Souls like you? What are you like desiccated or some shit like that? Oh, I don't remember thing in Demon Souls, remember. but yeah, that's in the Souls games you have like the undead curse, and then this game you're tarnished, tarnished, tarnished. tarnished. My bad. Which they never actually explain, at least in so far as I played so far. Like, I've assumed that tarnished means that you're effectively immortal and you just come back every time you die, kind of like you do in the game, which is important because you'd never be able to beat the game otherwise. But you run into other tarnished and they're like, oh, I got hurt. Oh, I'm so hurt. Oh, hurting so bad. And I'm like, just jump off a cliff. You'll be fine. You know, (laughs) you're tarnished. There was a thing. So wait, there was a thing in one of the games where like, if you died or something like that, you came back, but with like only half health. Until you like rejuvenated yourself or some shit like that, right? Is that yeah. something similar to I thought this? That was Hollow Knight. <laughs> this doesn't really have that. Yeah, I never really liked that mechanic. It's pretty shitty, honestly. It's different from game to game. I think. I think Dark Souls One had it where like you'd be at like half health if you were like in like undead form versus human form, even right. though you're still like have the undead curse. I guess it's really kind of bizarre. They try. It's like them trying to tie like lore stuff and and gameplay stuff together yeah. but that's kind of one of the things that doesn't quite work. work and i also don't like the concept of where you die and it makes the whole game harder <laughs> like that sucks. yeah that seems like double like punishment um so i i had a question like like trevor was saying he was fighting a boss and it was murdering him over and over and over and over and over and if i recall in like the other souls games like when you die you go back to a bonfire site or whatever. And like a big part of the thing is like, you have to traverse the entire place all the way back to that boss, which like the whole thing is that like doing that, like your shit is being slowly like whittled away until you get to the boss again. And then you have to face this motherfucker and like, you have to just keep doing this over and over until you win. Right. And like, does this game do that too or is it like a bit a little bit like more forgiving like does it like put you closer to like the boss it's they've they've shifted this a lot over the games it used to be i actually forgot this but raushi was telling me he was playing demon souls that or the demon souls remake at least that the mm-hmm. runs up to the boss in that game were really brutal and really long and the bosses yeah. were not as hard generally okay um, i think in the more modern games there's a little bit more of a trend towards uh the bosses are harder but the sh- the run to the boss is usually shorter. Um, oh, okay. So like for I think the boss that Trevor was fighting, I think the 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 grace is like right in front of it. Yes, like oh. I'm not very terribly far in the game, but like both the bosses that I was talking about at this point, like the sight of grace was literally right outside where you fought the boss, and I fought a third boss since then where it was exactly the same as well. Okay, so there's like a save point like 
right outside. And so you you just like run and get your shit like crushed and then like you wake back up right at the thing. And you're just like, let's go back at it. <laughs> yeah. And you're still annoyed because all of the time for you to just sort of like fall to the ground and make your groaning sounds like. And then it's you died comes up slowly. I know it's like the death like in these games, like I've seen like little videos like uh, the death, like when you die, it has like bespoke like death animations. So your guy like will like fall to his knees and then like slowly slump over and then it'll be like you died. But like while you're doing that, like the boss is just like flailing around, like slicing his like swords through you and just like going ape shit and stuff. Teabagging you, right? And like I, I was like, why not like do something a little bit more like. I don't know, like crisp, you know, where like maybe like it fucking ragdolls you and chucks you or something. <laughs> At least like have it seem like it fits in the scene because like it's like you die, but then it like takes you out of the game and it's like you are now watching a very scripted thing that has nothing to do with the game itself. Like, you, you, do you understand boss, what I'm saying? Yeah, if the boss had an animation where it like kind of gloated a little and sheathed its sword and walked away or, you know, like right. some kind of like ending of its combat would have made more sense maybe. Yeah, I think some of them might do something a little like that. I'm not sure. I, well, the, well, the funny thing is that sometimes bosses will have special dialogue that they tell you after after you die. Mm. You'll get oh, very really? used to those dialogues. Yeah, sometimes the boss will be like, filthy, tarnished, <laughs> whatever <laughs> shit, make it funny, yeah. Um, yeah. As far as dying goes, it sounds to me like, and this is one thing I think is kind of cool about the the Soul series, from what I know about it, because I haven't really played much of them. But dying is, um, what's that word when it's like part Terrible. of the? No, it's part of the like the the, the story or the lore or the world, right? Like, you know, like, oh, it's UI, like diegetic in a way. Diegetic, or? yeah. Dying there is diegetic go. and built into like dying and respawning. Like dying is built and, into, yeah, and resurrecting. Yeah, is that is that an Elden Ring too? Like, because you're tarnished, are you? effectively immortal and resurrecting or respawning like makes sense like is there a lore reason why you're coming back at these grace like lost grace spots i I think so i'm not quite sure that part is a little bit vague to me but yeah i feel like i haven't beaten the game so yes insofar as i i'm not as far in the game as ford is um there doesn't seem to be a diegetic reason for you to come back from the dead especially given that you run across other like tainted that are like crippled and it's like tarnished. wait tarnished yes and i'm like okay if you're crippled and you're tarnished then i guess maybe we're not immortal they should have been called grundled, <laughs> grundled. Or, or gooched yeah we're talking about synonyms the other the older games had a kind of a really cool sort of reflection of the player's experience versus the npc's experience sometimes because they're i'm trying to remember what term they they use oh yeah it's like when it's like people going hot they call it going hollow mm-hmm. okay uh which is which kind of refers to like when the npc like they've died so many times that they just lose their humanity completely and they go insane mm. and sometimes the npcs will just like attack you randomly in a rage and it's mm. like well that npc is dead now because <laughs> i killed them um so yeah that's kind of what that's kind of sort of what the enemies are like too they kind of are implied that they're undead and gone hollow and they just are have no humanity left and they just attack you Oh, okay. wow, it's actually that's actually very Hollow Knight too. Interestingly, is it? Yeah, that's that's like sort of the storyline. That's sort of the storyline of Hollow Knight. Yeah, all the bugs that you fight were like used to be, you know, sentient, like you know, quote unquote, human bugs that became feral because of the curse or whatever. Hmm. 
when you die in Hollow Knight, is there a lore for why you come back? Uh, your stuff's mean? still there. You just, Somebody you just, just waggle, you just waggled your hand at me. <laughs> well, I also made a I made a, a non-committal noise. I mean, you 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 come back as like a or you leave like a like a weird ghost behind, and then you respawn at a bench. It's not really. It's not really. The thing with Hollow Knight is that nothing's really that like explained that much. So you, it's just kind of left up to your your okay. interpretation. Yeah. There's there's some. I think there's some interesting like lore story stuff that happens later that I don't want to spoil that may be related to that. But again, it's all. It's yeah. Like it's a little bit abstract. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we can all agree that it's not quite as crisp as Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, yes. going back in time when you die. Now you're reading my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, although the other the other part of that though isn't just going back in time and you die the diegetic if you if you like run out of sand to go back in time and you die the diegetic thing is he's telling you like the main character is actually telling you the story of his journey and he goes wait 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 that's not how it happened right and then you respond so it's like he he like messed up telling you the story of his adventure mm-hmm. and, you know I, you know when I tell stories about how I like went to the grocery store you know I just like to throw in random bits about how I you know died <laughs> randomly and then I go wait yep. no no. I'm mistaken. And then I slipped that in front of, that. That's front of the car happened. and got hit. And then I died. I mean, whoops. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that I'm terrible at telling stories? Let me tell you a story about how I was telling a story once, and it was really bad. And then I fell off a cliff and died. Oh, wait, no. No, I'm mistaken. <laughs> Three times in a row. <laughs> and I'm lying every time. So Elden Ring is like an open world. Souls game. Dark. Souls. Yes. Souls born, if you will. Yes. Uh you've played other open world games. Is there anything that you've played that it's even remotely like? Because people are like, oh my god, it's the best game ever. It doesn't tell you shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. That's not it being open world. That's that's how Dark Souls or that's how the Souls games tend to work. Is yeah. They're they're punishingly hard with like action RPG combat and they don't tell you shit <laughs> and it's up to right. you to like figure like out the how fact to that your flask enhancements are permanent instead of temporary <laughs> it's exactly yeah but I mean like people things. are saying like that's good and I'm like so so like that makes me think of like Breath of the Wild that's maybe the closest thing where I feel like I, I don't remember Breath of the Wild really being too explicit with like giving you location markers and stuff like you have a map that you can mark and stuff like that but it's pretty just kind of like you just do whatever and you look around and find shit um yeah i'm just curious like what what's like what's different about this game and like it's interesting it feels like it's a bit of a relic out of time just in terms of like the UI, um, they don't explicitly have like, you know, a mini map, like there's no mini map on your like screen when you're sort of going around and exploring. You basically, there is a map that you can pull up, but it takes up the entire screen. And I don't think the game pauses while you bring it up either. So, you know, it's not like a safe pause button or anything. And there's no quest markers. There's no stuff like that. Like a lot of the sort of, you know, innovations in game design in terms of making things more accessible or, well, to you know, introduce people to the game gradually are absent. There's some of them here. Like there is still like a tutorial in terms of here's how you jump, here's how you roll, here's how you do this, that, and the other. So they do hold your hand a little bit at the beginning, but a lot of the sort of like quality of life features that you've grown really accustomed to, um, like a mini map, like quest markers and things like that are gone. 
And I actually find an interesting parallel in that this is actually how World of Warcraft was when it was originally released. Um, hmm. Like, there's if you play it nowadays, there are quest markers and there's like a lot of explicit guidance in terms of where you go and what you do. But it's similar in that, like, you'll get a verbal description of, oh, go down the road down there. And there's a keep that I want. So kill everybody inside it so I can have it. <laughs> um, and, you know, admittedly, you have to follow those instructions. And they're not that terribly difficult because you're just following a road. But there's no minimap indicator. Now, that was that whole idea was kind of, wasn't that sort of the sort of seed crystal of why, like, these this game series started even back within the first Demon Souls was, like, this game company was, like, we're sick of modern games holding everybody's hand, and we're going to strip away all that stuff, and we're going to go, we're going to return to form where games used to be uh, a thing that you figured out through trial and error, and, you know, it didn't, it didn't give you glowing paths, you know, to, to, to the next checkpoint or, or whatever, you know? I'm not sure that like they that was their necessary intention. I know people have like attributed hmm. that to these games. But know, I would attribute it to the success of the games, right? Because the right. The, 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 but I'm not the sure hardcore... like they set out to be like we're returning back to. I think that's something that like people played it were like, oh yeah, it's returning back to our roots. I think they were like, hey, let's play like what if we just stripped out some shit like you know like well <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, um, I think we should also point out that. Demon Souls was not like their first game. They didn't like yeah. jump onto the scene with Demon Souls. They were making the Kingsfield series, which was like five plus games or something like that on like PlayStation One and Two. That are yep. kind of I think I haven't played them, but I think they kind of have a similar vibe. They're not as like mm. fast action RPG, but they're you know they have a vibe. Not, not telling you shit. Yeah, that kind of thing. They also mm. did Armored Core. I don't know anything about those games. Though. Oh really? Yeah. That's them. Okay. Mm-hmm. The map and stuff, like you pull up your full map. Does at least when you do that, does it show you where on the map you are? Yes. Yep. Okay. Can you put markers down and be like, like when you get there, you're like, okay, there's something here. Like you place a marker so that you can come back later or anything. Yep. Yeah, you can annotate maps. Okay. So I mean, like that, like is fine. Like that seems like enough. Like yeah, uh, it just it doesn't annotate maps for you. Yeah, yeah I think the the one really important thing also to to bring up as far as how much it feels like other open world games is that when you look at the map, okay, first of all, you the map is like very abstract and kind of nothing until you find a physical map in the world. Oh Christ. I think that Hollow Knight is Hollow Knight is like a little bit like that, where you have to go find the map in in the world yeah. somewhere and then it kind of you get like it's a very nice kind of diegetic, almost hand drawn map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which has little you know, little drawings of like where the plateaus and where the towns are and stuff. Um, okay. But the really cool thing is that you don't know how big the map is when you start. It's like part of the screen. And as you explore more, the place you can zoom out, like you can zoom out more. Like you have no <laughs> idea how big the world is when you start. the mm. game. So it's not putting any mm-hmm. kind of frame around it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like <laughs> when I was exploring, I was like, I got the map of the kind of like the main area. I'm like, this game's kind of small. Like, is this thing pointing me towards like, is that like one main boss here and then the second one's here? I'm like, that's kind of a short game. And then I like go up to no, one new era. I'm like, oh, the world is like four to eight times bigger than I thought it was. Like that's <laughs> a really, really cool moment. And the game's kind of, that, that's kind of carrying forward the legacy of like, you know, you're always getting surprised by new weird stuff in these Souls games. <laughs> Even to the point yes. where Dark Souls 1, there were like major areas that you could totally miss. Like major side areas with lots of 
not well, lots of stuff, but like significant side areas that some people may just never ever see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also worth noting that it's not just like, you know, big procedurally generated, you know, like noisy stuff. This is like really gorgeously rendered terrain, at least the stuff that I've been in. And like, I've never been so impressed by weather effects in a game as I have been impressed by this one. Like when you go off into like a valley and the wind is blowing and all of the plants are sort of like, you know, shaking in the direction of that. Like, it's insane what they've accomplished from a visual perspective of this game. That's pretty cool. When when you compare and contrast it to past games, what makes it more open world? Because aren't the past games kind of open world in the sense that you kind of explore the space like the way you want to explore it? What's the difference? Yeah, uh, I mean, well, this one you have a horse. Oh, <laughs> really? I didn't know now that. Now you're in yeah. my head. <laughs> <laughs> so is it just that there's open fields and more like is it just more you can just go in more directions? Is that what makes it more open world? Yeah, I mean, there's there isn't really much of a concept of an open field in any of the other games, really. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's it's more it's not like tight hallways, but like you know, it's more like a linear-ish level with lots of branching and interconnecting between different areas. This just is purely, you know, there will be dungeons and stuff that are more linear-ish, mm-hmm. but the open field is like an open field, like Breath of the Wild. Like the other games did not have that kind of thing at all. Although I will mm-hmm. say the one dungeon that I've gone through so far has had so many branching paths that like I have no idea how much of the actual dungeon I saw by the time I beat the boss. And I'm like, okay, I can try to double back. And I remember there's an elevator that like I ran across, but I never used it because it didn't actually function when I went to it. And it's just like, there's so much stuff in the game and I have no idea how much of it I'm actually experiencing. It's kind of great. Yeah, that was, that was the thing I, that I really, really wanted to bring up. It's just like, just being in awe of the size of this game like how big the open world is and how complex like this main dungeon is, like kind of the first main story dungeon. I think, I don't know, I would, I would I'd love to have Rauch here to, to double check me on this because he probably did a lot of this stuff, but like this first main dungeon you do in Elden Ring feels to me comparable, maybe slightly smaller than, for example, Hyrule Castle in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Nice. This this shit this castle took me like five to ten hours to fully explore, and there's wow. probably like three or four more of those in this game. I don't know how many, but probably like three or four more of them. Are you talking about the one with the grafted dude at the end, or yeah, Stormvale the one after Castle? That? Yeah, Stormvale Castle. That that is as far as I've gotten at this point. I killed that guy and got a lot of sweet loot afterward, and also got an item which I will also c- criticize the game for not telling me what the hell it does. Um, they're like, use the item. And I'm like, well, last time I was presented with this option, it was like, okay, I could use it. And, you know, I was afraid of using it, and I didn't get my flask charges. And so I was about to do it. And then I decided to look it up in the wiki. And I'm glad I did, because it's like, oh, you can either use this for a bunch of souls, or you can trade it in for exclusive weapons. I'm probably still going to use it for the souls, because I don't have the stats to use any of the weapons. But it's just, yeah, they don't explain shit. Uh, yeah, that's yet another mechanic from the previous games. So not explaining shit or something or the that that boss soul mechanic. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like part of this is uh, the result of me having played through the original Dark Souls um, and the very first part of Dark Souls Two. Um, but it sounds like there's a lot of like game knowledge I'm missing from people who have played the other ones. Uh, I mean, that was in that was in Dark Souls One. I'm pretty sure. Was it? Yeah, boss soul, boss soul weapons. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You might have had to find a particular NPC to do it, but... I never found that NPC. I think I just ate all the boss souls. Um, yum, 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 yum. It wasn't a thing with the uh, the other games, like, you when you killed an enemy, you got a soul, 
and you like hoarded souls. And then when you died, you lose all your souls and souls were like currency. Does this game do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. except they're called runes now. They're Ooh. whenever there's a different franchise that has to be called something else and not souls. <laughs> um, but the other, the, the main thing to remember also is that there's kind of um, the stuff you hold, which you will, it's kind of just into like a counter in the corner. That's like, you kill an enemy and you get a certain number of souls or runes or whatever. And that's, you drop that when you die, but there's also kind of harder versions of them that are in your inventory that are like, you can use them to get souls or runes. Uh, um, and that's more of like a stored version of gotcha. your runes. So you okay. don't lose, you don't lose like everything. Yeah. If you die, you just lose like the, the loose ones that you carry in your pockets. Yep. Gotcha. They don't go after your bank accounts. They just go after the cash in your wallet. It's, convenient it's, it's considerate don't you bank them when you get back to your high heels no your, your lost grace you gotta spend them oh yeah. okay there's no bank right mm. so but spending them means then they're essentially safe from dying after you spend yes. them yeah there's no functioning banking system except it's a minor spoiler for demon souls where there's a boss in demon souls that can de-level you <laughs> Ooh, that's thankfully wow. that, that has never been in a subsequent game wow, wow. that's shitty can yeah. the boss only do it once or can it like do it repeatedly? I, I don't know if I've ever seen him do it multiple times in a single fight, but I'm just imagining like going there like level 50 and exiting out there and, you know, trying to see if you can go down to level zero or maybe lo- negative one, maybe trigger an integer wraparound error and end up max level. <laughs> level yeah. 200 and whatever quadrillion, whatever the whatever the <laughs> integer wraparound is. Mm-hmm. I think it's only one at a time, but... <laughs> It's that's it wasn't that it was a thing in D and D, or maybe was there something in D and D that could de level or remove experience from characters or there was level drain in D and D from mm. like vampires and stuff like that. Yeah, man, that's harsh. Yeah, although I think like earlier versions of D and D would remove levels, and later ones would just give you like an ailment called level drain, where it was ah. like your effective level was decreased until you managed to get this ailment treated. Feels a little more fair, yeah. So I guess like like as someone who's never played this stuff, like and hearing how like punishing it can be, I guess like why should I play the game? Like, is the combat fun? Like, if you're dying all the time, like that doesn't sound very fun. Like, what what's special about the combat and like uh like the actual gameplay like. It sounds it sounds insane to me as a game. Like it, nothing is explained. Like items are just like lore, loosey goosey nonsense. Uh, like you lose all like a bunch of your shit when you die. You die a fuck ton. Combat is, I don't know, really punishing and kind of slow maybe, but also I don't know. Um, and, like this sounds bananas <laughs> my partner my partner was kind of explaining it and he, th- he thinks i would really like this uh uh that it's like, kind of like breath of the wild if the world was filled with things like lionels and guardians everywhere and that then the combat was more like that right so like the hardest enemies in breath of the wild and the ones that have the most sort of tricky like you gotta dodge you gotta time your blocking you gotta you know it's got a lot of hit points and you gotta really really try hard to fight it and not die kind of thing i find them fun to fight well, thankfully, in Elden Ring, your weapons don't fucking break. They'll be miserable <laughs> in Breath of the Wild. 
<laughs> yes. Also, I did want to bring up one clarifying point. So first off, when you die, you drop your souls. But if you go back to the place where you died and you can collect them before you die a second time and recover all of them. So if you have a lot of souls, you can usually sort of recover them after you've died uh, without loss. And sometimes you're doing like this death crawl back to the, you know, uh, fire, the site of lost grace. Um, but generally you can do it. And the other thing also is the fact that you drop stuff and you die frequently put together means that frequently, like you aren't dropping anything because you haven't had a chance to accumulate any souls. <laughs> so it's like, whatever, I'm not even going to bother to recover my corpse at this point. I'm just going to go forward and try again. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of a fun thing. It's almost like a relief either if you lose a lot of shit or if you level up to the point where you don't, you're not holding anything. It's like, Hey, I could just right. die as many times as I want. There's no penalty. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think I will say about the gameplay, I think the combat is, I do find it pretty fun. Um, there's certain parts of it that are extremely satisfying. Like there's a mm -hmm. special backstab mechanic where mm -hmm. if you kind of line up right behind uh, an enemy, you can do a special backstab move and do a ton of damage. And it's got a very satisfying sound and animation when you do it. <laughs> so it's a lot of little details like that that make it fun. Yeah. Okay. I, I would also admit that parrying is a very similar mechanic, although I'm terrible at it. But, like, you have these giant bosses that are, like, ten times as large as you, swinging weapons that are, like, five times as long as you are tall. And if you time it just right with your tiny little hide shield, you can sort of, like, deflect that attack and then do a counterattack, which also does that really sort of satisfying sort of, like, animation and, like, stabbing deep into the enemy. Mm. Like, there's a lot to the combat system as well. It's really, really hard, and it's complicated. But if you've got good reflexes or just have spent enough time watching the enemy's fight patterns, you can get ridiculously good at it. Like I've seen a YouTube video of somebody who's walking into like the first boss literally naked with like, I think, a sword and a shield and just basically completely destroying and not taking any damage uh, on the first boss. Wow. They also made uh, Sekiro, didn't they? Yep. Is That one had a pretty different combat system, right? Yeah, I mean it's similar in that it's clearly the same engine, <laughs> right? So it's got oh, really? some. It's got some. There's some animations and stuff in common. Um, the big, I mean, the big deal difference is that Sekiro is not really an RPG, right? You you level up a bit. Um, you level up and you can get like skill points and unlock skills and stuff. But there's no like yep. leveling up. There's no like level up when I put more points into health or whatever. So it's a little okay. bit more of a straight up action game, um, and. There's kind of only, like in a lot of the Souls games, there's lots of different builds you can do and different ways to play it. In Sekiro, there's kind of one way to play, which is you use your sword to parry the enemies as they attack you. It's kind of, that's kind of it. Wait, I didn't realize that Elden Souls had levels. Yep. yep. That's it's what those RPG. souls are that we're talking about. Oh, I thought that like you use those to like buy shit. Like, you use them for that as well. Equipment and yep. like, I don't know, other stuff. Like, Everyone loves souls. It's just a universal currency. Exactly. <laughs> so the souls are like XP and you use that to level up? Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, what happens when you level up? You put all your points into endurance so that you have more health so that you don't <laughs> die as quickly to bosses. That's my strategy. <laughs> well, health is vigor. Endurance is, uh, corresponds to stamina. Just to... Oh, yes. Vigor then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's been fucking up so he's like why is my health not going up <laughs> mm. but I can dodge and block a lot I can I can run so long now without getting tired wow so what does stamina do it helps you dodge and block right 
Yeah, so stamina is drained when you run in the presence of enemies. Um, it's drained when you attack. It's drained when you block. It's drained when you parry. It's drained when you dash. And if you run out of it, you end up in a state that makes you very vulnerable to enemy attacks. Does it, like, regenerate? It does. But you have to not be, like, spinning or, like, dodging or rolling around like a madman. Um, yeah, I see. Also worth noting, um, one of the most important defensive things you have in the game is dodge rolling because you're temporarily invincible for, you know, a little bit of the time when you're doing it. And mm. uh, yeah, so as a result, very frequently when you don't know what you're doing and you're in a tight situation, you're just roll, 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 roll <laughs> until you're out of stamina and then you get hit and die. Um, but up until then, you're rolling. Winning strategy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's kind of like when you're on fire, your natural reaction is to just run around like, like crazy and flail your arms. Sometimes it works. I mean, in that case, rolling repeatedly yeah, would I was be the say, thing to do. Rolling <laughs> is the actual good. See? Teaching valuable life lessons from Elden Ring. Yeah, the other thing I just wanted to quickly touch on as far as like, Andy, when you're talking about being really punishing and not, not seeming fun, mm. like sometimes things are satisfying because they're hard. <laughs> like trying to do something a bunch of times in a row and finally beating it is very like these games. The reason why people are not about these games is they're deeply satisfying in a way that other games are not Yeah, like it, it means something to try and fight a boss for like two or three hours and to finally do it. Like your heart is pounding. Like no, like very few other games give you that kind of experience. See, I was I was like I agree and then you said two or three hours and I was like I disagree immediately <laughs> that's an exception that's an exception I'll say that that's the only okay. time I've spent that much on that boss for me as after I've played a lot of the games is like the last boss of Sekiro which is like one of the hardest bosses oh, of like okay. the entire series I would right. say two hours is definitely my experience so far with Elden Ring but it's possible that I'm just really terrible at it uh per boss that is yeah, like there's definitely a line between like, like I get it, like, you know, uh, it's not satisfying if it's like too, like too easy, mm -hmm. but like also like the way my life is like, I can't, like, I can't dedicate, like, I, like, I, there's no way for me to play this game. There's literally no way for me to play this game. I do not have the time to dedicate to learn how to like play it competently enough to even like try and fight a boss. If a boss is going to take like 30 minutes, I'm immediately out. Mm. Like I can't do it. Like that's that's too much. Like I, I don't I literally do not have the gaming capacity to even fit a boss fight in uh which is like that sucks. Um and like I get it. Like this, this game is clearly not for me. Um, but I think there is like yeah, filthy casual. <laughs> like you can, you can have like a, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like I would say, like, I don't want this game to cater towards me. Like mm -hmm. leave me out. Like clearly there's an audience for this and people enjoy it. So like I'm the odd man out and like, don't bother with me. But um, I think there is a line between like two punishing and like like two hours to me is like even if like I had all the time in the world, like I'd be like, nah dog, like fuck this. I can do so many other things in two hours. So I think there's something else I should add here, which is that the game allows you a pretty good amount of control over its own difficulty. 
And part of the reason why the boss fights are taking me two hours is because I'm availing myself of very few of those options. So for example, um, you can summon other players to your world in order to help you with bosses. And that's basically like, if you're going to summon somebody, you're doubling up the number of people. And that immediately is very impactful. Mm. And also like there's NPCs you can encounter throughout the game that you can summon as well. And I don't know if you can summon both a player and an NPC at the same time for, do you know offhand? I believe, I believe you can. I think you by default can summon two other characters. And I think, I think I was, I was helping some people and I think there was one case where they had, they had someone one NPC and then they summoned me. Yeah. And so, and that, is immediately massively impactful in terms of allowing you to get past bosses. Like you could almost like one or two shot bosses if you're summoning like two people for each of them. Uh And the other thing is you get, um, I I forget what they're called. Are they ashes or spirits or something like that, which are like big old Mm -hmm. summons. Um, I summon a jellyfish right now because it's the only one I have. And they don't really do much damage to the boss by themselves, but they're very distracting, and occasionally the boss will turn around and start swinging at them, and that's a great opportunity to unleash on the boss. I am availing myself of that, but I'm not using any of the summons, um, and that can make things a lot better in a tight spot. Mm. Um, Are you you're just choosing not to because you don't want it to be too easy? I'm choosing not to summon the uh, other players and like the NPCs because I don't want it to be easy, yes, okay. because I feel like it would make it the boss is really trivial and I wouldn't have to learn anything in order to beat them. And I want that challenge. Um, it's kind of like what Ford was talking about. Like if I didn't find satisfaction in beating a difficult boss, I wouldn't be playing this game or I'd be playing right. it differently. But I will say that it does feel like it's kind of the difficulty is a bit front loaded with the first boss because I still feel like that was the hardest boss I've encountered so far. But because it was an open world game, I could basically say, fuck it, this boss is too hard. I'm going to go wander around, level up a bunch, explore the world a bit, and then come back when I'm stronger, which is the other way you can modulate the difficulty. Like yeah. Because it's an RPG system, you can basically level up as much as you want, and that's going to eventually trivialize the content if you want to do that. Um, does does leveling up make that big of an impact? It's I would say it's not huge, but if you do it enough, it can definitely tip the scales quite a bit in your favor. So... To be clear, the way you level up is one stat at a time. Um, so there's stats that you know govern like you know health and endurance and magic points, as you say, and like strength and dexterity kind of affect your damage. And there's like intelligence and blah blah blah. So those yep. things kind of will those more offensive stats will affect like how much damage you do. Yeah. Um, but only if you put points into the ones that like are relevant to the weapons you're using. But Oof. the big thing is that every uh, every point you put in also increases your physical defense. Oh, maybe by a tiny bit, but like every time you level up, you are getting tougher and harder to go. Okay. Especially if you're putting all your points into vigor, like I am. Yep. Because it also increases your maximum health. Interesting. Although I've actually started putting into dexterity as well. Uh, I played Demon Souls 1, or Dark Souls 1, rather, uh, playing a strength-based build, and I wanted to try a dex-based build one. Maybe someday I'll try an int-based build. So like, uh, what level are you now, Trevor? I have no fucking clue. 30-ish? <laughs> something like that? Also, I'm curious, Ford, like, are you using player summons or ashes or any of this other stuff? I use ashes sometimes, um, 
like if I'm getting annoyed, like I was, I was really getting annoyed at this one camp full of dudes and like a bunch of my souls were dropped in the middle of it. And I was like, I just need someone to distract all this shit. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, for bosses, I've been to some extent actually using the NPCs because <laughs> this is a whole nother topic. Like uh, the way the NPC quest lines work in these games, is very vague and weird. So I think we may have talked about it a little bit before. So I'm kind of preemptively summoning NPCs in boss fights just in case it has some bearing on their, on like, <laughs> side side quest stuff it probably doesn't i don't know i'm just you know oh yeah l- lore reasons you know yeah <laughs> you're here because maybe it'll affect something yeah <laughs> i feel like that's another thing that's worth calling out like i don't know a lot about this but the way that npc quests work is really fucking arcane um and i only know this because i've looked at a single article in an elden ring wiki because i was trying to figure out exactly you know well, I was looking up a particular character because I'm like, wait, this person is, you know, he's really badly injured now. What the hell happened? And then I looked it up and it's like, this character will be dead if you talk to this other character first in this particular location. And I'm like, wait, what? Who is this other character? And why will this character end up dead if I talk to these people in a different order? But that is this sort of causality you have in this game. It's just <laughs> completely random. And it's like, okay. If you talk to people out of order, people will die. Well, what if you talk to people out of order and they give you a fresh baked pie? Does that ever happen? Then it wouldn't be a Dark Souls game. No, <laughs> no. You're thinking about Apple Souls. It's an ancient, it's an ancient pie filled with despair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to ask, are there I would I would hope that there are random causalities that are positive rather than just negative, but uh. yeah, I think. Yeah, the NPC quest lines are, are pretty very interesting. I kind of, I really kind of have a lot of respect for this kind of design, and that it's just they're just willing to let players just experience stuff as they experience stuff, rather than catering to the sort of more modern sensibility of like, here's the quest log with the exact place you have to go and like all the choices you can yeah. do and do it everything perfectly. Like I just kind of like, oh, the story's going to have play out how it's going to play out, and it's like it's dark and it's grim and yeah, you know, whatever. People die. It's fine. It, yeah. They just like they have to be okay with people not seeing everything and also like not understanding or getting the whole picture and i mean like that's kind of cool like i mean yeah like modern sensibility is like everybody gets the same experience every time and they get the full picture every time this like that's a the the reason that a lot of games do that is to kind of like maximize everyone's effort and like payout you know like it's really it's really hard to justify a ton of people working on a game and working on assets and working on things uh if you build it in such a way that people aren't going to see any of that work or some of the work like usually like if you put it in the game you want somebody to see it like that's the goal uh and so like they have thrown a lot of money and people at this thing and like, are just like, well, fuck it. If you don't see it, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's there for you, but also whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helps when they have so many games worth of content in a single game. They can afford to throw away two thirds of it and still have a, somebody go through it and have a satisfying experience. Nowadays, they have a big enough audience that you can yeah. sort of subdivide that audience across the content and still trust that a lot of people will see it but the the thing is like and i mean like you guys have all said that like the 
that's really the that mentality of being okay with people just like not seeing your shit and making a lot of stuff that a lot of people are not gonna ever see like that's how you make like wonder and like Mm. you know surprise and like kind of like unique experiences like where everyone is kind of like experiencing something slightly different or like you know there's confusion like you're just like just you're surprised by things all the time like yeah you're getting at an essence then at a sense of what makes games so special compared to other mediums right like right everyone everyone watches a movie and gets the same at least sees the same thing they might have a different internal experience from that movie but the media the media itself is the same no matter what compared to like how a game plays out yeah and i'll will say it's been a while since a game has elicited a sense of awe from me and that is something that Elden Ring has definitely succeeded in. I, I cannot overemphasize how awesome the weather effects are inside this game. And I don't, I'm not the sort of person that pays attention to like art and sort of like all of that stuff in the way that all of you are with your more sort of artistic backgrounds than I have. But I'm just, I was blown away by several of these, like the ways that they've used the, you know, wind and rain and fog and whatnot. Yeah. And it's, I had a similar experience with like the quest and story stuff. Like at some point I was like, what happens if I just talk to this NPC after I did this other thing? And like, she gave me like a secret map to something that's like relevant to the backstory and the lore. I'm like, I could have totally missed this. Like, this is some super cool shit that I unlocked that I like maybe never would have seen. Yeah. Like, that's a really special kind of experience. I also don't pay nearly enough attention to the dialogue that the NPCs <laughs> give me. I- I've come to it with this pre-assumption that basically the lore doesn't matter and the characters don't matter. And I'm basically going around and swinging swords from one place to the next. And the game allows you to do that, but it sounds like you get a little bit more out of it. If you pay attention to what the NPCs are telling you, it allows you to do that, but it's a, it's like a mainstay of the dark soul series for the story to be kind of something you discover through observation. And, and it's never like told to you by, uh, you know, a series of events or a series of dialogue choices. I was going to ask about the story in this game and if it's a little more like, I don't know, front and center than like, it sounded like in a lot of the other games, most of the lore was like you looking at like item descriptions <laughs> and like, that's where it's you environmental storytelling. I mean, that's not really environmental storytelling. That's like mm-hmm. putting, well, it, the, uh, it's not just looking at item descriptions, but like actually paying attention to the environment and paying attention mm-hmm. to the context of the things that are happening. You sort of piece together right. why this grim dark place is a shitty ruin. Right. But that only gets you so far. Like you mm-hmm. don't actually get like real reasons behind some things, but it sounds like, like in in a lot of the other games, like there are actual reasons for why like things are the way they are and like why bosses are what they are and stuff. Um, I just don't know how that's delivered to the player. Um, and it like maybe I'm wrong, but it sounded like in past games it was done by like reading item descriptions. Um, is this game a little bit more like? have some way of communicating story to you that's not just like you opening your inventory and reading like what this log fucking is like it's a <laughs> secret ancient log that like held down like Jesus is Christ <laughs> Jesus is Christ <laughs> I think there's a little bit more I think it's it's still fairly similar to the old games but there's a little bit more el- elements of like NPCs telling you stuff like kind yeah. of telling you stories of the world. There's there's a lot, I think there's a lot more in the backstory, even though 
the setup is very similar to the um, original Souls games, where it's like, you must find the soul shards bequeathed to the four lords and become the lord yourself. But there's a lot more, like, history and backstory to it. Probably, as I'm playing it more, I'm probably realizing this is a, this is the actual <laughs> work of that George R. R. Martin did on it. Yeah. There's, like, there's a lot, there's, like, a lot of, like, story stuff that, like, there's this war and like this king got murdered and the they were demigods and blah blah blah. And there's like all this. There's like a lot of more explicit backstory, I would say, than in this game than there are in the other Souls games. Mm. Well, uh, do you guys have any final thoughts or anything that you'd like to bring up? We can always come back at this later if we feel like you guys. We're missing beat a the core game. person who's probably played the game more than the rest of us put together. Yeah, he knows too much. He's been cursed with knowledge. <laughs> He's grundled. <laughs> he has been tarnished. Fully, fully grundled and tarnished and cursed. Tainted. <laughs> I guess I would say, like, if there's anybody listening that's kind of on the fence about it, I would say it's worth giving it a try if you're interested in open world games, just because, you know, it's just kind of, it's popular for a reason. Like, it's an amazing game. Yeah. You know? And, you know, the difficulty is, is for sure kind of a, a, you know, an obstacle for people, but if you're, if you're willing to put in the time and you have the time to put in it, I think it's definitely worth a shot. Yeah. And be willing to sort of like, if a fight seems too hard, walk away from that fight. Because this is one of those few games where like, if I'm up running up against an enemy and I don't recognize my, that enemy, my usual go-to strategy is to run away as opposed to let's find out what happens if I poke it with a stick, which is my usual approach in almost any other game. Unless you're holding zero runes or souls or whatever, then yeah, have at it. Yeah. Pretty much. Time to learn through death. <laughs> All right. Well, do you guys want to take a break? Sure. Yep. Well, let's take a break. Break it. Welcome back. Do you guys want to do? Hey, check this out. time uh great who's going first i can go first i'm just going to do a throwback to something i've actually recommended a while back but it's been so long i'd imagine our audience has forgotten about it because i certainly forgot about it until other people reminded me that i called it out before it is an indie game called ftl for faster than light uh which is a sort of sci-fi roguelike where you are flying around in a spaceship with crew trying to get from sector one to sector eight and blow up the enemy capital ship. And you make a bunch of decisions about your crew and uh, how you're going to outfit things in order to actually overcome enemy spaceships' defenses. And it's fun and it's satisfying and you die a lot and there's a lot of parallels between it and Elden Ring. And for whatever reason, I felt the itch of FTL while I was in the middle of playing Elden Ring. And I have to scratch it before I return to Elden Ring. So don't know why, but that's just how my brain works. Great. I'll go next. I'm going to recommend a comedian. Uh, his, uh, I'll just recommend his TikTok um, handle, which is at Chad the Bird Talk. 
Um, he's <laughs> he's a he's a puppet that is like a pink bird. Um, and he is a puppet. He, <laughs> a living uh, puppet. He does like stand up. Like it seems like he does it like every week or like every couple nights or something at this like same location. And uh, it's not like he doesn't really like tell like it's not just like a bunch of jokes. It's like he just kind of like talks a bunch. Uh, but it's funny. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I really enjoy it. So I follow him on TikTok. Uh, he also has a YouTube channel where I guess like the full set is like usually posted. Um, but I usually just go on TikTok and watch like the bits that are split into parts because I just assume those are the best parts, but I could be wrong. I don't know. So Chad the bird. Chad the bird talk. Or I think it's like youtube.com slash Chad the bird. I think. I wonder what jerk took Chad the bird from TikTok from him. Yeah, that's um, pretty rude. Um, I can go next. Um, I'm going to recommend a YouTuber named Georgia Dow. She does a series of like therapist reacts videos. Um, and, and, you know, there's a few of them out there, but she's one of my favorites for some reason. Uh, and it's partially due to the content that she uses to do therapist reacts to. So she did it to Arcane and got to really delve into the sort of emotional depths of characters in Arcane and their interactions and, and, and the way their storylines play out. Uh, she also has a series on Encanto, which is also really fun because that's nice. also pretty, right? That, that, that one's too, super ripe for therapy reacts type content. Um, so between the two of those, uh, I have fallen in love with this particular YouTuber um, just for those. But uh, I can expect her to do probably a lot more. Like She's got a good track record now for choosing good content to, re to reflect on. She should uh, do Turning Red. That's a... she, I, I, very, I would expect her to do that, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm going to recommend the Watchmen TV show that was on HBO Max. Uh, oh, fuck yes. Ago. I recommended that, like... I think uh, when we started the podcast early on, <laughs> man, it's been that long. Kind of an old show. I finally watched it. Um, finally finished it a few weeks ago. Yeah, I don't remember what you covered about it, Andy, but it's, it is really interesting. It's very much different thematically than the original to some extent. Yep. It's like the, the new one's very much about race, which I don't think was really a thing at all in the original. Nope. Um, so, and it takes kind of the time, it takes place kind of more modern day. So it takes the kind of time skip into account. Um, yeah, really, really interesting thematically. It's got a lot of stuff crammed into a relatively short nine-episode series. Um, yeah, don't want to spoil too much. Uh, soundtrack's really great. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the soundtrack. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was great. I, I Lindsay watched it. She didn't know anything about The Watchmen, and uh, she loved it. Uh, thought it was really good. I did too. I thought the whole it was it was it's it's super interesting and like weird and. Uh, just like, I hope they don't make another season of it. Honestly, <laughs> they're not. Like, it just kind of like as it exists, it's just really neat. Like, I'm glad they did it. Yeah, yeah. it. I also saw it and also thought very highly of it. Would recommend it. Yep. All right. Um, I'm at a Minler on Twitter. Where can people find you guys? You can find me also on Twitter. I'm at the Brendo. I'm also on Twitter at Heckbringer. I'm also on Twitter at Radhesion, also at Asian.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash Adhesion. 
Uh, and you can get in contact with all of us on Team Radmars at Team Radmars on Twitter or radmars.com or radmars.itch.io. Yep. Uh, this podcast was edited by Andrew Ford, and music in this podcast is also by Andrew Ford. Thank you for all that you do. Great job. You're doing it. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You're killing it. I've killed uh, the podcast and extracted his runes. So I can <laughs> up. Great. All right. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you guys for being here. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Goodbye. Being here. Goodbye. 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 Oh, yeah. We didn't actually get to it in in the actual conversation, but there are pots with arms that are animated, and they are awesome in Elden Ring. Wait, sorry. There are what's with arms that are animated? Pots. They're living jars. Living jars. jars. Pots. Wow. Are yes. they like mimics, but pots? They're not really mimics. They are pretty obviously like animated ones because they've got like arms sticking out. And I, I forget if they have equipment as well or if they just sort of like try to punch you, but they're, they're hilarious. They must just hit you with their arms yeah there's somebody who's horny for that jar mm. <laughs> i thought you should know that definitely oh. appeals to somebody somewhere <laughs> that's <pretty> true <laughs> that <laughs> probably the person who made it uh, <laughs> yes finally <laughs> my jar <laughs> my arm jar <laughs> but like jim Please stop fucking submitting this every time. He's like, please. Just this time, my armchair. <laughs> Fine. Fine. You've worked here for 15 years. Well, you finally got it. <laughs> He's like, I can die a happy man. <laughs> Goes to his partner here. Put this costume on. Where's this, this jar? Wear this jar. Not again. <laughs> <laughs>